Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. I'm also a benefits advisor, and this is my first episode of 2022. So happy new year. I have Wendy Motorelli here with me today. She and I have had the good fortune of working together with some clients over the years. She as the HR consultant, myself as the benefits advisor, and she's a principal at HRT Northwest. She'll tell us in a minute exactly what HRT Northwest loves to practice in, what their specialties are. But Wendy and I, through working together, I have discovered Wendy to be not only very experienced, she has a very sharp eye for details. She's methodical in her approach and she is calm. And after the course of the last couple of years, I think this calm trait coming into HR conversations and any other conversation in life, frankly, is so welcome. I appreciate that, that calm. So welcome back to the checkup, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Do you want to just remind our listeners, you've been with me before, but it's been a while. Tell us a little bit about HRT Northwest, what kind of work you and your team specialize in. Yeah, you bet. So we are a boutique HR firm. So we help clients with their generalist HR services that they are in need of. So whether it's they maybe don't have an HR director and they need that level of service to help their organization function on a day-to-day basis. We'll help with compliance and policy and procedure and leaves of absences and all the other things that you really need. So generally we start out with doing an assessment of the client's HR function to find out where they are right now, what policies and procedures and processes are in place now. And then at the end of that, we give them a report of here's what we would think of as the major priorities you should focus on. And then a lot of those priorities we can help them with. Maybe it's their employee handbook needs to be updated. And then we would, we would go from there. And I can only imagine that you're finding more and more employers and even other HR teams who are already in place who might be saying, gosh, we just have this thing. We need some extra hands on deck. Can you help us? Is that true? That's a really good point. Yes. I'd say historically, we've taken the place of an internal HR director or an internal HR manager. But more recently, over the last couple few years, because this landscape is so complex, there are so many moving parts, so many compliance things to look at, so many best practices that a lot of the time that clients are calling us now, whether it is the current HR director saying, I need some more support, I need someone to bounce stuff off of, or it's the ownership saying our HR director, our HR manager needs needs some more help and we wanted to provide that to them. So can you help mentor and guide and support our current internal HR team. That happens as well, for sure. Mm, Totally makes sense. 
And, you know, I would be remiss to not say here, we're recording this as the very first Monday of the new year. Um, I approached this new year with a little bit of like, eh, my expectations aren't super high. <laughs> you know, like, let's just see what the heck happens here. So I, I would categorize that or describe it maybe as I am, you know, like warily eyeballing the new year. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm like, eh, you know, we'll see. Um, what are you most hopeful for this year? personal or professional? Most hopeful, yes. <laughs> well, I really hope that we can get to a place where people can feel like they have a better understanding of what to expect mm-hmm. on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. I think in a lot of ways, we've all been sort of sitting on the edge of our seats for a year and nine, 10 months. And yeah. we are and you know what's going to happen next what's the next um you know big thing going to be that we're all going to have to deal with and so at this point what i'm hoping for is there's more certainty for people more security for people more job security for people where they don't constantly feel like i have no idea what's going to happen next week or next month i think it's a that's a really hard place to live in day to day yeah. Having something predictable, right? It's so hard to plan for anything when you're like, well, who knows? Who knows what tomorrow brings? I think we've gotten good at it, but it's it's tiring nonetheless. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, people have really done their best, I think, overall to just roll with the punches and deal with the things that are coming up next. But at the same time, that's what I'm hopeful for is a little more I love it. security yeah. in general. I, I will hope with you. Well, let's, let's talk about what really brought us together for this episode today, because when I start thinking about the new year too, I'm also thinking about, you know, in our best abilities, what are we trying to plan for? What do we think is going to happen? I really wanted to hear your thoughts on what you think human resources will be focused on in the new year. And I think, I mean, you kind of already said it, but I feel like we have to add in this disclaimer that says, you know, we've all learned that things just don't go as planned. And so we're not going to hold you to anything, Wendy, that you throw out as one of your predictions. We know that life changes on a dime, but as of today, and based on what we know today, let's talk about the big three things that you think human resources is going to be focused on in the new year. The past is the best predictor of where we're going. And so therefore, I, as you, when you posed this question to me, I thought, okay, well, where are people at? What, have, what are employers dealing with? What are employees dealing with? So I, yes, you're right. I was thinking of it in terms of these three S's, which is support. I think that employers need to really take a hard look at how are we best going to support our employees in the new year? How I think that includes recruiting and retaining great people who are a good fit for your organization. So supporting them, what, if, if this is the type of person who best fits our organization, how do I support that type of person in, within my organization? I think the second one would be security. And I'm thinking of that as job security. Again, I think that people have felt a lot of a lot of distress in some cases, a lot of uncertainty for sure in, in every case, really. And so I think 
that thinking through job security and what that looks like and helping give people some amount of reassurance, even though we're all at will employers, giving people some amount of reassurance is important. And then the third one being safety, whether that is with the fact that we are dealing with a lot of mental health issues over this last couple of years, for sure. I, I, we've kind of always been dealing with that, but really I think it's ramped up a lot. There's a lot around COVID, of course. There a lot of people are getting sick right now, unfortunately. In some cases, COVID is spreading through the workplace. So what are employers doing? And I know employers are, are looking at that really closely. What do we do around safety? That's also practical that we can do and we can't just put everybody in their own little room. I mean, in some cases, people have to work together. And that I think can look at a lot of other, there's a lot of other aspects to that. Like, what about if, if an employee is struggling to get to work because they feel unsafe getting to work? What does that look like? How do we support them in that so that they feel safe just getting to the workplace? So yeah. lots, lots of things that we can talk around around support, security, and safety. Yeah, three really important S's. Let's start back with support and let's dig into that because I think, you know, you, you start hitting on a lot of really key things here, this um, being able to hire, but what about keeping the people that are really good, right? What about keeping that workforce that you know, are your high performers, some of your best people, you and I probably hear very similar things from the people that, you know, that we work with and talk to. And maybe what, what I would like to at least maybe interject in this first bullet of support is a bit of a challenge for HR and even executive teams who might not be thinking about this or thinking that if you think you can keep doing the same things that you've done before, Mm. I really challenge you to rethink that. Um, I think, you know, the employers who want to hold on to the practices and what the idea of support meant even a year ago are going to discover quite painfully that that's just not working for where things are today. And I would just challenge and encourage teams to take a fresh look or bring in another pair of eyes from the outside, you know, for this sort of assessment, like, like what you're talking about. But, um, you know, you talked about some really interesting statistics around, you know, what support looks Mm. like, and uh, I'd love for you to share those with us in a little bit of detail. Sounds good. And one thing I want to put out there too, is that what I was talking to one of the people on my team about this before, um, I think it was early last week, I was asking them, hey, what kinds of things do you think I should talk about when I'm talking to Danielle about what employers should be looking at for the new year? And her point was, you know, I think they need to start with a survey of their staff, find out where people are at. I think that was really wise. So develop a really well-worded survey so that you are capturing the information you really need and the questions need to be really targeted. So that people understand the question and can answer it um, in in a way that elicits the kind of information that you really need. So that's something that we do for clients as well. But doing a survey, I think, can be a really good first step. Not making it too long. Don't make it people spend a half hour going through all the questions. So something short, something targeted, 
and try to figure out what, also don't ask too many questions that are too far outside of, of things that you are in the realistic realm. So, you know, you want it to be actionable at the end and you don't want to give people false hope that, oh, they're going to add a, a gym if we all just say that that's what we want. <laughs> so, so be realistic too in putting this together. But yeah, I think my, it's a really good first step. I think so too. I mean, I think A, to assume that we know what all people really need to feel supported and cared for at work is very arrogant. That is very different for people. Um, But I also think my favorite advice to any employer who talks about doing a survey is do not ask questions that you don't want to hear the answer to. (laughs) And don't ask questions that you won't respond to in some fashion, even if it's to tell people, you know, hey, we, we hear you, we can't address these things, but here are the things we can address and we'll maybe be able to tackle those things later. But some of the biggest missteps I have seen with surveys are, you know, the employer who does them and asks the questions and then never does anything to follow through with it. And I think given the climate, especially today, people need communication and they need to know that they're being heard and that they are seen, even if they aren't working at their desk in an office. Um, we, We all need to be validated right now. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And like you say, so if you're going to launch a survey, then you need to commit on the front end that you're going to take some action based on these results. Otherwise, don't do it. Yeah. What else are you sensing around support? Yeah, I think so. one One of the things that we have been talking to a lot of clients about lately has to do with pay. I mean, I'm just going to jump right in, which is if you likely have a bunch of employees who are key to your business, who keep the things going day to day, who you really rely on. And so looking at things like pay and benefits is huge. Are we paying them enough? Lately, we are, when we're giving salary survey data to our clients, we are looking at certainly the median, the 50th percentile, or going up to the 75th and even the 90th in some cases. Because in some cases, employees are leaving over pay and our clients are saying, we can't risk losing other people. We can't, we can't risk losing the people who we really rely on. And um, so we're going to look at paying above the market. So that we're seeing that a lot. And I don't think our, the, that any of the salary survey data is truly keeping up with where the market is at right now. Things are moving very quickly. And so that is one thing I would definitely look at really closely. I, there's a, there is a survey from Fisher Phillips, which is a law firm that we really rely on. And so shout out to them. They have a lot of really great information and they did a survey, which they launched early in November, November 3rd to 9th. So this is, this survey is on their website. If anybody wants to find it. And they looked at, the workforce shortage crisis. And they looked at the various industries that are mostly impacted by this. And this is not gonna be too much of a surprise, but they said that, or the survey respondents, there are about 600 people who responded. So I believe those are all unique employers, or I think we can assume that. And they said that those employers said, 
of, the, of those employers who said they had a moderate to severe difficulty in finding and retaining people, the industries most impacted were hospitality. 98% of hospitality employers said that that was an issue. So almost basically everybody. Um, pretty amazing that 2% who's not struggling. But yeah, um, what are they doing differently? What are they right? doing right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume they have great pay and benefits, number one. But mm-hmm. um, manufacturing, 93% of those. Healthcare, 92% of those employers said it's moderate to severe. Retail, 91%. So just huge numbers of these employers in these specific areas saying, yeah, this is a, this is a huge problem is, is attracting and retaining great people. So I think there's a lot of things that employers need to look at around this. And this is not a surprise to us. We have a lot of clients in healthcare. We have a lot of clients in hospitality. We have a lot, we have a lot of clients in manufacturing. So we're absolutely seeing the impacts of a lot of this. I think a big piece of this is going to be around family care responsibilities, especially if you rely on a lot of women who are in that age range that are raising younger kids, you've got to look at this. This Interestingly, this survey showed that a lot of employers are struggling with losing women to childcare responsibilities, but a very small number of employers were actually doing anything about that. I know that's tough to do so that you'd have to come up with some creative solutions, maybe with your wonderful benefits broker, try to come up with some creative solutions around this particular issue. And I think one thing could just be simply trying to be flexible and trying to give some amount of grace to, hey, I got, I've got a kid back to online learning for the next two weeks because I'm Omicron and we're in January. So giving them some an opportunity to maybe work from home if that's possible and have at least some flexibility so they can get their kids set up on online learning, get their kids to and from school or childcare, daycare, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I have heard some really wonderful examples of employers who can offer a lot of flexibility, you know, and maybe it's not that everyone can work from home, but what if it's, you know, that person could do the work, say, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they can do that in the office because maybe they have a spouse or they have other family who can help them, you Mm. know, on these other days. So, you know, are those some areas where employers can be flexible in ways that before it was like, well, Monday through Friday, but um, given the things that we are all working through right now, does it really have to be that way? And I think that's a really interesting, interesting consideration. I agree. I do agree. Yeah. And again, on the benefit side, I think looking at your benefits program, maybe if you've had the same benefits program for the last five years, mm-hmm. then you probably need to take a look at that and decide if it's still really working for your employees. We're going to talk in safety in terms of safety about mental health resources, but do you need a new EAP? There's usually an EAP embedded with your insurance products. You know more about this than I do for sure. But uh, so is that EAP, is that sufficient for what your employees really need? Maybe there's a more robust program that you could put in place that really helps support everybody on your, on your workforce and working with a good benefits consultant. That's what I would be doing with my clients is let's explore some good options with a good, great benefits people. 
Yeah, I think there are, you know, to your point, EAP is one of these things that they are very straightforward to be able to build out either to put one in in the first place or to step up and have a more robust solution. And in terms of the spend, it's really pennies in comparison to everything else. But, you know, if you have that ability to offer your people maybe six visits to a virtual visit with a counselor per issue, especially right now, those are just meaningful meaningful ways to extend some additional help out to your people. Um, and I think, you know, there are, there are a range of, of things around mental health support and some ways that, you know, you can eliminate some barriers and we do have some real challenges, right? You can put in a lot of, you know, different benefit options, but if it doesn't attach to counseling in some fashion or the ability to know that you can connect to a counselor, you know, we had a, a shortage of mental health care providers pre-COVID. So really thinking about how you connect benefits to actual care providers is, is really, really critical. Yeah, and I would add to that too, that's, that's a really good point because there is a dearth of mental health care providers right now. But I would add to that, that making sure that it's a benefit that provides services to the household. So the, the kids in the family, the maybe other household members, the spouse. Yeah. And we're seeing, you know, when we talk about mental health care too, there, obviously we were seeing mental health care needs pre-COVID that were greater than what we had seen before. And then COVID happened. And so, you know, we've all been talking about this. One of the things that we have seen a real unfortunate explosion with those very complex mental health care needs. And so when we talk about complex mental health care claims, it goes beyond depression and anxiety, but often typically has, you know, two or three mental health diagnoses together. And, you know, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's um, eating disorders along with depression and anxiety. But, you know, situations where people need inpatient care and where they need inpatient care and they come home for a while and then they go back into care. So it's something I'm hearing a lot of employers talk about because they're seeing that in their claims experience. And they're also, of course, hearing it from their people who need to take time off to care for a family member to your point. You don't just come to work, you know, like any other normal day if that is something that your family is experiencing. So Lockton has been working on a very specific solution with the center of excellence around that space. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about too, as we were just preparing for this, you know, mental health is a big part of this safety element, because I think again, maybe pre-COVID when we thought about and talked about safety, we thought about workplace accidents. And, you know, now we talk about it too, in a way of how do we keep illness from spreading among our workforce? And then there's the personal safety piece and you highlighted on it, but I would really like to come back to it because I think that, um, 
in light of where we see metropolitan areas right now that have seen a very dramatic shift in the number of people who come, you know, down into the, you know, the eye of the metro area to work during the day, there are spikes in crime. And, uh, you know, I'm hearing from different employers and one in particular that I had a really interesting conversation with that, you know, they've basically redesigned their entire transit and parking employee program because one of the biggest pieces of feedback they were hearing from their people was they were, they did not feel safe um, being in the drop-off where the bus would typically drop them off downtown and then having to walk into the office or parking four or five blocks away and walking into the office when there weren't the same you know, number of people who are coming and going from work. So yeah. they took a really interesting approach to redesign and say, you know, for the people who are still going to come into the office and they need to because they're essential, we're going to pay for their parking. We're basically going to reallocate all the funds that we've been using on things like bus passes and train passes to be able to pay for parking so people can come into our location. But then to take it a step forward, you know, their bigger consideration is, do we take this opportunity to move somewhere else where people feel safer, where they have better access and they don't have to park so far away? Um, do we move into a, a smaller community where people can come and go and not feel those same concerns? And, you know, it makes me wonder how many employers out there are thinking the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point as well. That is, I agree with you that I've seen more anecdotes around that type of concern over the last year or so, mm -hmm. where employees are dealing with I don't want to, I used to walk to work and now I don't feel safe walking to work any longer. I used to take the bus and now will you, will you take, pay for an Uber for me to get to and from work, which obviously ultimately would be very cost prohibitive. Maybe you would do that on a short-term basis for a specific issue, but, yeah. but yes, those are a lot of things that employers need to look at as well, I think. And, and like you and I talked about wow, that really what an employer is shouldering right now, in yeah. addition to these things that, you know, you've already talked about, you know, a workforce shortage, supply chain challenges, um, making sure that our people are safe. These are just all some new things that are really being pushed to the forefront in continued ways that neither of us have experienced in our in our professional time. And I would think that most people haven't. So we are, yeah. we are charting new territory together, new unwelcome territory. Too. I, know. I, I just want to add yeah. into that. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, as I mentioned, when I introduced our, our episode today, I always really appreciate your calm and methodical approach <laughs> to, you know, how do we analyze this? How do we really take some good action items in this to make some improvement and some advancement? And, you know, for people out there who would be in need of, you know, more hands on deck or a project, or you need an assessment because you are experiencing this, you know, phenomenon with the rest of us that we've never done this before. So how do we do this and maybe do it together and you need some extra help. Wendy and her team at HRT Northwest are 
just a click or a phone call away. And I'm sure, Wendy, do you do you welcome connections on LinkedIn as well? Absolutely, of course. Yes, that's LinkedIn is probably our main arm for reaching out okay. to you know to the world. We put we put out articles and other information on there. So please feel free to follow us on LinkedIn. And if you want to contact us, our website is hrtnorthwestspelledout.com. So h-r-t-n-o-r-t-h-w-e-s-t.com. And then you're more than welcome to send a note to our email, which is info at hrtnorthwest.com. And we would be happy to chat. Well, you guys put out a great newsletter. I believe it's a monthly newsletter as well. I'm always finding some good nuggets in there. And, you know, like with most things we've experienced in the last couple of years, I think we can, uh, we're all at the point now we can acknowledge that it's challenging and that it's new, but we don't have to do it alone. We can work together. We can share ideas. Um, There is a wonderful HR community in Washington state, even through your local SHRM chapter, that if Mm. you are not involved and you don't you know, you don't have some connection there, man, if there was ever a better time to be engaged there, to kind of lock arms with your colleagues and your peers, it is, it is now. So I would encourage you to connect there too. Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have your own predictions, or if you want to share some of your ideas with my listeners, I would love to chat with you. And if you would like to hear more things like this or other innovation and hopeful advancements in healthcare, I invite you to follow the checkup on iTunes or on YouTube. Thank you for joining us today. Take good care.